Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a really cool guest sitting in our office today. This guy happens to be the coolest guest we've ever had. You want to know why? He oh, wow. showed up with cans of Heineken. Hey, cheers, Mark. Cheers, cheers to that. We're hanging out with uh, a friend of mine. His name is Jason Campbell. And what I really want to get at, why I wanted this guy in here... This guy is a super entrepreneur, and I wanted to get Jason's backstory on stuff because he left. I'll let him talk about everything, but I'll just give you the background. He he left some really secure jobs that you know were probably paying you a pretty good penny, and uh, he left all that behind to go pursue you know his passion and what he's doing now. And I'll leave it up to him about how deep he wants to get into what he does for work. But essentially, he just kind of jumped off a cliff and started from scratch on it with his partner and I really wanted to get into the balls that it takes to do something like that when you have a family you have people depending on you you have a mortgage and then you know what you just you're not happy where you are at least you're not as happy as you think you can be and you take that and you just go with it I know what that's like. I was working at a school. I was uh, kind of the head of massage therapy for this one particular school in the greater Toronto area. I had my hand in three different campuses. I did that for about eight years. Got really unhappy probably in the last five. That, well, I guess I wasn't happy for most of it. And then I just decided one day I'm going to jump off the cliff. I remember going home to my wife and I had this look on my face. And she's, she's like, what's wrong with you? And I, I sat on the floor of the kitchen, which I never like, I never would be in the kitchen, period, because I don't cook. Yeah. You know, I do dishes. <laughs> I, I load the dishwasher really well, but I don't cook. So I'm now on the floor of the kitchen and I'm, I probably look like I'm almost in tears. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm so fucking unhappy. Yeah. She's like, what? I'm like, I'm quitting. She's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm quitting. I'm quitting tomorrow. Like, this is going to happen ASAP. Wow. And she's like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Like, like money, like everything else. And I was like, you know what? Doesn't matter. We're going to find a way to make this happen. And uh, we jumped off the cliff and been happy about it ever since. So... Jason is sitting here. Again, we got some beers in our hand. Jason, why don't you uh, tell the masses a little bit about yourself? All right. It's funny because you just mentioned a lot of similarities in your story that are kind of parallel to mine. Um, so it's it's funny that you mentioned you were, you were with the school for a long time, as, uh, as I was, as you would know, since we've known each other a long time. So I had started at one school as a teacher a long time ago. I needed some part-time money. Well, teacher, like, are you talking like school board teacher? No, not school board teacher. But though, funny enough, when I was at York University doing my undergrad, a bunch of my friends and myself were going to go to teacher's college. Yeah. But there weren't a lot of jobs in that back then. There was a lot of people that I knew that were not getting jobs after they had done their teacher's college. They're going off overseas to teach English and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing. Or that used to be a big thing. What, when were you at York? I graduated in 2000. 2000. Right on. We were there. We had an overlapping. I graduated in 99. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Song college. Ah, Drink it at the orange snail, buddy. Yes. I've, <laughs> I've, uh, I've knocked back many a beer at orange yeah. snail. I think I talked about that in the last podcast. The underground. 
Yep. Oh, yeah. I talked about that last podcast, how going to massage school for me was a little different because I had gone back after being at university. And then I hadn't been in school for about five years when I went back to massage school. And in my mind, post-secondary education is about going to a lecture and then between classes, going to sit at the pub, you study a little bit, but then you drink a lot. Absolutely. And then you go to class. It doesn't work that way in massage school because I'm so used to York <laughs> University because at that time, you probably know this very well. There's like nine pubs on campus. I got kicked out of school my first year. Oh, sorry. After my second year, I got kicked out of school. Get out of here. Yeah. Why don't we start there? <laughs> I want to hear this story. So like you said, um, you know, you get to university and you've got like, you know, time between classes. So where are you sitting? In the pub with your friends. That's right. So we went through with a bunch of our friends from high school, uh, drinking and all that. And first year was a disaster. I didn't drop my classes like maybe I should have. So I had E's and F's on my report card, whatever they were. Yeah. And I only passed three of my five courses. Then I was put on academic probation. So the next year, only half of the people that started in first year were actually there the next year. So I went, I passed my courses this time, but didn't pull my GPA up high enough. So I was kicked out. So I wrote a heartfelt petition and <laughs> they accepted it and I didn't miss any time. And I got back in to, to be back in school the next September. And if you look at my first two years of university, the marks and my last two years of university mm -hmm. after getting kicked out and yeah. some other shit happened, you know, uh, just, I realized if I'm going to, I got into this and I'm going to finish what I started. And that's been something that was kind of drilled into me from a young age. So if you're going to go out there and do something, you finish what you start. And so that was, even my parents said, we're not going to pay your university anymore. You got kicked out. This is a joke to you. I spent all my time in the pool halls at night. I remember I would be in the pool hall, Sam's in Scarborough, uh, Brimley Langenson. I would be up there till like five in the morning because I knew the owner, Johnny. He would close at two. We would just play pool, he and I, until five. I'd get home before my dad got up to go to work at 5.30 and <laughs> pretend I was sleeping or whatnot. Then I'd get up and leave before he got home. And I was barely going to classes. So I was like... All over the place, See, man. I went to classes. I mean, I was I was a little intoxicated, but I went to classes. I did really well at university. I'm actually really upset because I was I have an old friend, and I, when I say old, I'm talking since I've since junior kindergarten. Her name is uh, I'll say it anyway. Her name is Sophie, and uh, we've known each other since we were about four years old. And she was at York, I think, taking psychology, and I was at York taking kin. And she convinced me to take a course with her. She's like, "Let's take a course. It'll be so fun together." I'm like, "Okay, that'll be that'll be fun." And she's like, "Let's let's take this film course." And I'm like, "Cool," because I've heard about some of these film courses where you just get to watch really cool movies and blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. She signed us up for this film course, and I just went with it. I didn't read the description at all. We show up to the first day of class. It's all about World War II propaganda movies. Oh. And I'm like, get the hell out of here. So that was like, that was the first ticket. I got to start drinking before I come yeah, to this class. Okay. <laughs> so we would get smashed in the underground and then we go watch, you know what, Mrs. Miniver. You know yeah. what I mean? And oh, then I man. have to fucking write a paper That's on it. That's crazy. But yeah, anyway. so Propaganda videos. Eh? Yeah, it's actually a really good course in retrospect and I probably should have taken it a little bit more seriously. Is it helping you with your podcasts? Absolutely not. <laughs> Nothing helps me with this podcast, right? That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so sorry about that. You're, no. you're you're in school, but before that, we were actually talking about you as uh, teaching. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Teachers College, bringing back to York University. Mm -hmm. So I ended up opting not to go to Teachers College. And after university, four years of it, and I had had my fill. I basically felt like I pulled myself through that, and I finished it. And then 
I wanted to get out there and explore. So I packed up a bunch of things in my car and drove out to Vancouver by myself, lived there for two years and explored and tried to be, well, I was a starving artist. And then, uh, whoa, 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 starving artist. Yeah. Like what kind of artist are you painting pictures? You no, write scripts, writing you scripts. Yes. Exactly. I just took a stab writing at scripts. Yeah. 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 So three are sitting on shelves in Hollywood and nothing's ever happened with them. And I'm still working on one right now. That's whoa, whoa, a passion whoa, project whoa. for let's, the last three years. Let's but. back all this up. Someone has purchased these off you? No, they they went to the studios for review. Okay. And then I'm sitting back, we're going back and forth on what are you going to pay me for first rights, second rights, options, are you characters. Op- are you open to say what studios or you can't? I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'll refrain from it right now. Okay. Just uh, probably not a big deal, but yeah. No, it, it might be a big deal. Like, for example, I used to play music, right? Yes. And so one of the things in music that you can get, or you used to get, because the music industry is so fucked up now, record company tries to take everything. It's something called a 360 deal. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. I'll tell you about a 360 deal in a bit. But um, I used to play in this band called Secret Suburbia. You've, you've I've seen you play. play. And um, at the time, our management we had real, real managers that managed like like hardcore bands, and they were shopping around us to the different record labels for a deal. And we actually got offered a development deal from Warner and from Universal Canada, right? So the two yeah, the huge. two major ones, yeah. right? And it's like a development deal essentially is they give you a shit ton of money. And they say we, they try to lock you into contract. So it's essentially they hear some songs that they like, that they really like, and they see potential there. So they give you a shit ton of money, and you're signed to them. But the deal is, you need to produce for them like three or four more songs. And if they like what they hear, they'll give you a full deal. Yeah. But in this development deal, once we, you know, I give you this money and we sign off on that, you're going to give us more tunes. You can't shop around to anybody else. You can't talk to anybody else. So I kind of understand that if your stuff is sitting with studios, maybe you can't say anything about it yeah um i wonder if they even remember that they're sitting on the shelves yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago were these for movies or sitcoms it was for or? they were full-on movies yeah features so like these are full scripts that you've done yeah they're fully finished and yeah uh yeah no they were just um they're sitting there so and that was it i stopped chasing after it once my son was born yeah uh, and that was 11 years ago so basically art came to a screeching halt around that time um but i still have been able to as the kids are getting older get back into it and there was like a you know how it is as an artist there's a that desire that you've got to just keep recreating like whether or not it's getting out there or not it's going to keep happening yeah did you um did you go anywhere to learn to write scripts so i my my degree is in english literature okay so that and then i did do a lot of um I wouldn't say there were formal classes, but I did speak to a lot of people that were in the film industry, people that had been around it, that had written scripts. And I was doing a lot of research and hanging around in that kind of world yeah, yeah. in my early 20s. Uh, and it was a fantastic experience. It was just great. And I did pick up a lot on how to write the proper um, approach that I bought, the proper software, Final Cut, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that I was doing it in the proper uh, format as well. And uh, then I was just reading a ton of scripts. I was told, if you want to write, read a ton. So I read every Stanley Kubrick script. Uh, I got into Tarantino. Um, and I was reading, because that was more avant-garde, more cutting edge, you know, different. And I wanted to get that aspect of it as well. And it was a blast. I, I loved it. And I, it's, it's something that I love to do and it's fun. Yeah, I because I asked this because in the last five years of me working at that school, just for shits and giggles, I just started writing scripts. Mm-hmm. Like I started, I, I came up with the concept of a sitcom because I thought, well, you know, sitcoms, there, no one does sitcoms. And I came up with this concept of the sitcom and then I started reading 
all these sitcom scripts, like anything that I can find online, like Friends and How I yeah. Met Your Mother and all this, this, just to see what the format is like. And then I started writing scripts in that format. I probably wrote like four or five episodes just oh, for right shits on. and giggles. Yeah, just yeah, to yeah. See. And I actually had a whole bunch of my friends come over. I'm like, okay, you're this character, you're this character, you're this character. Because in my, in my head, yes. exactly, in my yeah. head, this is what it sounds like. But I want to hear other people yeah. do it. Yes. And so I, they just they just entertained me for hours reading my scripts. And I, I don't think anyone had a good time except for me that night. <laughs> but anyway, so you were a, out west doing that stuff. And yeah. then I just, you know, it was interesting. I went to Vancouver and I thought it was this big city. And then I, I realized living downtown, if anyone who's listening has ever been there, it really is a small little village, the downtown peninsula. Yeah. Half of the downtown is a big park, Stanley Park, and the rest of it's just uh, apartment buildings, basically. So you see the same people. And I was working and living downtown within blocks of each other. Yeah. So I just saw the same people always and over and over. And it was while well, the Olympics had just been announced. And this is 2002. So I'm dating myself here. But then uh, I realized, you know, all my connections are back home. Um, I just saw Vancouver as a great place to retire. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it had a really sleepy nightlife. And I'm a night hawk. And I, I had had my fill, basically. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to come back. Yep. And I came back to Toronto. I've never regretted it. And uh, actually, friends that went out there to BC with me at that time, some of them stayed a little longer. But they've all come back as well. Um, and they kind of said the same thing. You know, it's great to get up and hike grouse, uh, grouse grind and hike a mountain and go out into the kayaks and stuff. But... Um, at some point they wanted something more and the opportunities for them to grow or grow their families or whatnot, mm-hmm. there weren't as ample as many and they didn't have the connections like they did back home. Right. And so, this is the sun of the universe. So what the that, hell? Of course. Right. Yeah. The, the people from Vancouver will tell you that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. fuck them. Where's, <laughs> where's, where's their fucking baseball no, team? That's what I'm saying. And where's their <laughs> basketball team? Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it was, uh, it was great. Great open. Um, I learned a lot there and, uh, you know, you went, so I lived in a house that used to be a marijuana grow up when we were there and, uh, we didn't, we knew it at the time. And so it's, we were starving artists. We needed to save some money. Yeah. So we told the landlord, we'll, uh, we'll clean up this place. It was terrible, man. It was terrible. Think about the worst shit you could think of on the floors. And it was there. They had, a, they had dogs living inside there, big, like attack dogs. There yeah, were yeah. scratch marks on the doors, in the doors of the dogs. And we found out from the guy, cause we got our furniture from the Salvation Army. Cause we, again, we're starving artists. So when they dropped it off our $90 couches, uh, the guy said, Oh, I was scared to come to your house because the last time I dropped furniture here, there was a one-eyed crazy guy with his dogs here. So I guess he was the guy that was looking after the grow up. Oh, for sure. That guy probably uh, had a dog that had three legs. Like, this is the way it's sounding it, to me. It's, <laughs> it was crazy, man. So it was a great experience. We had eye-opening experiences. Uh, yeah, it was just, we had the crazy roommate that got addicted to drugs and... It was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. It was like a lot of fun. Man, I can't live that life. I would die. It, I couldn't live it long. Yeah. <laughs> it was one year, and it was just took 10 years off our lives. But it was a great experience to have in your early 20s to go through something like that because yeah, it yeah. gave me perspective. And then when I, by the time I got back to Toronto, then one of the first gigs I got was a part-time gig teaching. Teaching? English at a private career college. Tell okay, um, Because we have a whole bunch of people that listen to us from the States, um, give us a definition of like what a private career college is. All right. So a uh, private career college would be one where um, the tuition is a little bit more expensive, but you, the opportunity cost is you're going to get in and you're going to get out faster to go find a job, even though you're paying higher tuition because the school is not funded or subsidized by the government, the governments, whether it's your state government or provincial government, whatever the case might be. So these are, 
uh, private institutions for adults to get college level education. And in a lot of cases, it's better than what you're going to get at the community places mm -hmm. because the private schools are investing the money into these machines or into the, the, uh, the facilities that they've got. And in my experience, seeing both sides of it, I would say you're, you're not coming out any worse if you go to a private career college than if you went to a community college or whatever they're called in the U.S. Right, right. So you were teaching English at a private career college. Yeah, three hours a week. That was it on Wednesdays. And the rest of the time I was bouncing in clubs downtown and I was working at... Uh, what a, clubs? What clubs? Um, Limelight, uh, Crocodile Rock. Uh, where else? Um, I think that well, I did some private parties. Those were the primary ones that I was we are dating ourselves. We are dating line. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said limelight, I was like, oh yeah, we're dating ourselves. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I knew I was going to use my brain and not my brawn for, uh, for stuff. And I was probably going to get beat up a lot if I stayed bouncing and doing all that stuff. So yeah, I decided yeah, yeah. that I put my head to good use and thankfully that job came up and I was really, really lucky that I got that. Uh, foot in the door because now it's become my career education I was always passionate about and so it's been easy to follow that passion for the rest of my life so how do you go from the the three days a week at private career college teaching English what comes next then then I, I guess I did an alright job because they gave me more classes and then an opportunity came up to get into the administrative side and learn the business side of the school and that intrigued me so I became the registrar of a school, which is kind of like the, you look after admissions, policy writing, and you're basically second in command to the director. Can I ask you a question? Is that a normal thing that happens that where, where, where the school will take someone that is a, an instructor, a teacher and say, you know what? Hey, let's bring you on the admin side. Or is that a rare occurrence? In, I think you would agree in our experience. That's rare. I haven't I think seen a rare, lot yeah. of that uh, yeah. uh, myself. And I was just lucky, I guess, that someone saw something in me and gave me a shot. And I did actually really well in that position. We uh, we kicked ass, and that was where I made my bones at that school. Right. And uh, I went from teacher to registrar to director within four years. And then oh, I wow. was in my late 20s running the school. And that that was, a, again, eye-opening experience. Uh, a lot came fast. And all of a sudden, you've got all these responsibilities, like the teachers, you know, keeping the teachers happy, letting them know that when there's a dispute with the student, you're not just going to side with the students, you're listening to the instructors. And then everyone talks, of course, like the Ottawa Senators on Uber. I'm sure there was all kinds of stuff said about me in the staff rooms and in classrooms, which you have to have thick skin and like, you know, 99 problems, but my school is not one. And that right, was the right. way I kind of approached it. And because uh, not everyone's going to like you, but I tried to do the best I could. I knew that I could sleep at night because... At the end of the day, I was trying to do the best that I could and do the right thing. Why, when you're when you're holding this position, <clears throat> this really kind of high important position with with whatever company you're with, are you st are are you are you happy there? Are you kind of still in the back of your mind going, "Fuck, man, will someone pick up my script?" Or are, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Or are you like, "This is this there's there's more there's more out there for me. This is just a stepping stone." Or do you not even know yet? I would say. A hundred percent. I was thinking someone pick up a script. Yeah. A hundred percent. However, I was enjoying what I was doing. And the reason why was because I saw it make a change in people's lives. And I knew not everyone wanted to go in there and make a change in their life necessarily, or they didn't want to work hard for it or whatever it was. But there were a lot of people that came through those doors where they didn't have a lot of opportunities like maybe the rest of us have had. Um, they've been knocked down several times and they were looking for this as a big break. And those are the people that really tried to bend over backwards to make sure that they finished, that they were successful, that they had proper motivation and stuff like that. Like we had literally ex-cons come through, change their life around. Uh, people that had been in really 
uh, off off the system, social assistance and all that, yep. turned things around, and they went on to become managers and hire our graduates. It was fantastic to see at the different schools I was at. And uh, from that one position, I later was headhunted to each of my positions after that. I haven't looked for a job since I was like 21 because I just kept getting called to other places. And I said no a lot. But each new challenge, as you mentioned, after being an instructor, then the registrar, then a director, then the last position I took before starting my own business was national executive. I looked after 50 campuses across Canada. Um, as national director of operations and marketing. And that gave me a lot of gray hair, man, because we were dealing with, you know, the good and the bad of everything across all the provinces, all the ministries. It was just, that was really eye-opening. And I knew then, even after the first few days on the job, my next step would be to own my own school. That was just, it was going to be the next natural progression. I had so much knowledge at that point of my industry that I had, and I, and I looked around. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you I am a failure at everything. <laughs> the kitchen, the bathroom. If you come in our bathroom, you'll see the tiles are all chipped up. The, I used expired grout. Like I, I blew it. And there's a, we have a cabinet in the basement. And if you open it up, you got to watch out that the, you know, the screw that's sticking out, that you don't scratch your hand on it or cut yourself. Like my wife will tell you I'm a failure all over the place, except when it comes to education and this business, I've been able to be successful. So I thought, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is the one thing that I can do. And I've had a proven track record with, and I am passionate about it. And that's probably a reason why it's, it's continued to be a theme throughout my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, where, where else do you go next? Especially if you're overseeing like 50 campuses and you're doing all this stuff, is there another level to go to other than probably what you're doing now? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And you know, it's funny. I'll tell you how I got to exactly where we started this. Yes, please do. Um, It was September of 2016, World Cup of Hockey. Okay. Canada's playing against Team Europe in the final. Canada wins the gold medal, and I was there at the the time Air Canada Center, ACC. Me and my buddy leave the Air Canada Center, and we come out across the street in our bicycles, which we ride all over the place. We're big cyclists. We ride everywhere, drunk and whatever. Uh just because that's the easy way to get around. Right. And you're not going to get pulled over for drunk driving on a bicycle. <laughs> so we go out and there's these big like stanchions. Like I say big, my friends will all laugh at me, but three feet off the ground in the middle of the road to block traffic from smashing into each other on a busy street downtown. So we run up, I jump over it, and I guess I landed awkward. And I didn't realize I had broken my leg. So I got up to run again. And that time I dropped again and there's traffic coming. My buddy comes running back, waving his arms on Bay Street outside of the Arcana Center, yelling, wait, and then the cops came over that were directing traffic and they helped me get up. So I'm hopping on one leg with a cop and my buddy on one arm. My leg's dangling from my knee down on my right leg. Get down there and uh, turns out I'd smashed my fibula, tibia, talus. Yeah. Uh, just all the, the doctors, I said, did I, did I tear anything? He said, buddy, it's all torn up. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they put a plate and 10 screws in my ankle oh, wow. and, uh, I won't show you the scar cause it won't come through on voice here, yeah, but, yeah. uh, you'll just have to imagine that it's, uh, about a 10 inch scar and, uh, it's pretty gnarly, gnarly looking even to this day because I had to go for second surgery because I didn't realize I'm. I guess I don't know if it's an allergy or whatnot, but I don't wear jewelry or anything, and I haven't for a long time because it just it irritates my skin. I get like holes in the skin; it turns green and stuff. So the doctor was looking at my ankle after eight months and said, "No, we got to take it out." And I said, "You told me I'd have this for life, all this, you know, yeah, this yeah. plate and screws, because my leg was so screwed up." And he said, "Your body's rejecting the metal." And I said, "But this is surgical steel, isn't it supposed to be okay?" And he said, "Some people, it just we got to take it out." So. 
Uh, that that happened last May of 2017. So I went through the two surgeries, yeah. and all that, and get this: we I'm I'm in literally in a wheelchair as we're starting our business and stuff because while I was laying back in a cast after breaking my leg. I'm laying back there, and I just got the golden handshake for my executive job after three years there. Yeah. So I got a sweet package. Yeah. I've got job offers there for me, three of them, all paying guests, like you said, like six figures plus. And I could do basically whatever I want here. And I'm laying in bed, and I realize, fuck it. I'm not going to take the easy road here. I have the time to plan while I'm in bed yeah. how to execute the business now. And then I had a friend and we started talking. He was in a similar situation, my business partner. And we started looking at bars. We started looking at all kinds of pool hall, like all kinds of stuff that we wanted to kind of open. And I said, we don't know the first thing about operating any of these things. (laughs) Well, flat on our faces in two months. I said, the only thing we're good at that we know of for sure because we have a track record in is education. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do something that, you know, if we have a bar and people go home at night wasted and kill somebody drunk driving, I'm not going to sleep well. But if we have doing what we're doing, we're changing people's lives for the better. And again, we were passionate about it. So we said, yeah, let's do it. So we went down that road of starting the school. We did all the planning. We incorporated on November 21st on, and depending on when this airs, that's, uh, right around when we're recording this. So we're almost at our two-year anniversary of when we incorporated. And uh, while I was recovering, I was in the wheelchair and stuff. We're getting everything set up. And it was when I had just got back on my feet, literally, we opened our doors March 1st, and I found out I had to go for my second operation in April. Oh, wow. So we've now opened. We have no staff. I'm the only guy there because we were just starting out. And now we have to close our doors. So we opened in Port Credit, which is uh, on a major throughway in Mississauga along the lake there. And so we've opened up and then we closed our doors for like two months. Oh, wow. So that was a, just a kick to the balls. You how'd, know? You, like, how'd your partner take that? Uh, he was understanding, but I knew it hit him hard too. We didn't expect this. We it's not, That's not a good look to open your business and then stay closer two months. And I wonder always now if that didn't set us off on the wrong foot. I wish we would have, I wish I knew about the surgery or could have avoided it or whatever. But we figured we just opened. Maybe it won't hurt us that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I think it did hurt us. I think we didn't get our first uh, real business coming through the door till September. Mm-hmm. So we lost all that spring, all that summer. We're paying rent, you know. And uh, while we were still figuring out a lot of our processes as a new business, I, I think that really did hurt us. And it was it was hard to get over. And I felt bad. I felt a lot of guilt for my partner who was working just as hard as I was. And it wasn't his fault that I had been an idiot and broke my leg as a drunken fool. So, but he had to pay for that. And uh, I've, that's, I've always worn that. And that drives me to work hard too. But the good news is now that we're coming up on two years of being incorporated, we've been doors open for 19 months. Uh, we are still experiencing steady growth. And actually uh, for the first time since we opened, uh, we are cash positive. So things are really finally turning. The worm is turning, you could say. Uh, but we knew that we had a three to five year plan. And, uh, so that's, we're just sticking to it. We're working hard on it. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited, you know, like it's, it's amazing to not be at the beck and call of my CEO or my, uh, my boss or the owner of the school or whatever it is. Uh, and we can do what we need to do. We work hard, but we are also able to schedule our lives to a way that we still have time with the quality time with our family, the smart time with our families. And we can work at home. We can do whatever. We're not answering to anyone. And we work hard. We're going to work hard for anybody. And uh, the fact that we're working hard for ourselves, that really drives me even harder, to be honest. So I got, I got two questions for you then. When you're, when you're laid up at home in a bed 
with your foot all fucked up and your leg all fucked up or you're 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 getting wheeled around in your chair yep. are you ever thinking to yourself fuck I wish I was just still at my old job. <laughs> like, did that ever come into play? Or you're like, fuck, I'm glad I'm not at my old job. Never once did that enter my mind. Yeah. Never. I was never longing to go back to that or, or to anything similar either. Uh, I, I just knew I it was it was done for me. I, I was just going to go on my own way no matter what. Um, you know, and then we're not by any stretch rich or anything. We have a mortgage. Yeah, we're, you know, we did uh, put our own money. The seed money was our own that we had saved up to do this. So we wanted to make sure we did it smart. And, uh, you know, we had to work hard. We're working hard even still to make sure that we keep growing. But yeah, the I never looked back though. I was always, I was excited uh, to do this. And I didn't want to take those offers that were on the table. I was weighing them because they were such, you know, easy, it would have been easy money, let's say. Yeah, you would have worked for someone else, you worked hard, but really, at the end of the day, I go home and I don't worry about all the ownership problems. Um, I didn't want that. I didn't want it anymore. I, I didn't want to know that someone else technically kind of owned me yeah, and could tell me where and when and what to do. I, I was so done with I, it. I'm totally with you on that. Are you, a, the second thing I wanted to ask, are you a rule breaker? Yes. Tell me, tell me about this. I, I, I and I have my reason for asking because this is one of the reasons why I can never work for somebody. I have my own mode of work. I think I do good shit. Um, I don't care if anyone else doesn't see the value in it, but I think I do good shit. And part of what I do is break rules a lot of the fucking time. I can, like you said, I can't be owned by somebody. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot, I can't stress it. I cannot yeah. do it. But how are you a rule break? And does it get you where you want to go? Are you Captain fucking Kirk? Because Captain <laughs> Kirk, he is the guy I weigh a lot of stuff on. Because Captain Kirk's a fucking rule breaker. I love Captain Kirk, who, who keeps his crew <laughs> yeah. alive, but breaks every fucking Starfleet, Starfleet rule. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's all for, uh, it's all for a greater good. He is, he is, he is, Star Trek, if you ever, if you ever take an ethics course, <laughs> and you want to understand ethics, different ethical theories, watch fucking Star Trek, the original shit, and understand, you know what, it'll give you an understanding to Spock a little bit better. Captain. Anyway, I'm going on a whole fucking no, tangent. I'm with you. I'm a Trekkie. My Uncle Paul put me on this when I was like a kid. Yes. So I've seen all the original episodes, all Next Generation episodes, and I think that's probably where I've seen all the episodes, but I've even dabbled in the other ones. Yeah. But in the movies, seen them all like multiple times. I'm so, a huge brother. So tell huge. me, tell me how rule breaking has helped you because i'm a big fan of breaking the fucking rules me too yeah me too uh yeah rules are made to be broken uh, that's like one of my mottos and yeah it's got me in some trouble over the years but you know it's funny i think a lot of the time people that would see me from the outside if they didn't know really who i was they'd see me at the schools dressed up in my shirt and tie and look like i was towing the line all the time um until you know when i'm passionate about something and i think it's wrong i will definitely stand up for it and i've had a lot of uh, my bosses in the past found this very difficult. They didn't expect it coming from me. Uh, they just, you know, not Jason. And then all of a sudden I would turn, not necessarily against them, but stand for something that I believed in, where I thought a rule was stupid or ridiculous or the case might have been. And, um, and yeah, they didn't like it. Um, so it, I've definitely rattled cages, been a shit disturber, um, if you want to use those terms, but never to, for the sake of it, more so because, yeah, and it did get me where I wanted to go because it also showed that I was not a yes person. Other people noticed that, you know, he's doing this for a reason. Um, and when I first started as an executive at the new, um, at, the, at the school I was with, um, there was a lot of transition there. 
And I was not a popular person when I got in there because there were a lot of rules. And people would say, but this is the way it's always been done. And I would say, just because it's always been done this way doesn't mean that this is the way it has to be going forward. Right. It, you know, it's that definition of insanity. We kept seeing people losing money doing the same things over and over and over again. And we would say, well, why are you doing that? And they didn't have a good reason other than we've always done it this way. Whereas I'm a questioner. I'm, I'm highly analytical. When I'm, I'm in a room, I might be very quiet, but I'm observing and taking it all in and processing. And then once I've got my teeth to sink into something, then I can really take it and run with it and say, no, this is not the best way to be doing these things. You know, uh, I'll give you an example. It might sound not so so big or whatnot, but when I first got to that company, uh, I got there and there was a, a vast amount of people who were looking for course information calling the head office where they should have been calling a school, but they didn't know how to even find their local schools and stuff. Like it was terrible. They were just not organized. They didn't have strong web presence, all that kind of stuff. Right. And we started to change things and we started to take control away from the schools and centralize it. And this did not go over well, man. And uh, we changed some rules in the franchise agreement because all the schools are franchises uh, to try and make things better. And it did not go well. I mean, we were fighting against lawyers. It was so when I'm rule breaking, it's out there to make a difference. Right. But ultimately, once I was able to get more control over certain aspects, for example, just making sure that students were going to get pushed to the proper campus, we injected over a million dollars more revenue after installing a call center by the second year. Right. And so this was huge. We're talking about a million dollars over year over year by just breaking a few rules, changing a few things, getting some control, and people were fighting back and back and back. And this is not a rebel story necessarily, but there were rules in place in these agreements that people had just abided by. Times had changed, and uh, it was time to look at things with fresh eyes. So that might not be exactly the example you're looking for. but No, I mean, I, I, I'm a full believer in that. Just to repeat doing the same shit just because we do, it doesn't make fucking sense to me. Mm. Like, I, don't, I don't understand rules that just don't make sense. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I, when I used to teach at this one particular place, why couldn't I fucking wear jeans? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I really have no yeah. idea. I'm like, why can't I wear jeans? This is a dumb rule to me. Yeah. I don't understand the purpose. You know, you know, you're working in a cubicle somewhere down on Bay Street, and I got to wear a suit. Dude, why do I have to wear a shirt and tie and fucking dress pants and dress shoes when I interact with nobody? I should be able to show up in my fucking pajamas. Who the fuck cares? So I hate this whole old school mentality. That's why I loved seeing... Like, you know what the inside of what happens at like Google or what happens at like Facebook you know it's just a whole different mindset it's just a whole it's just a whole other ball game that I wish a lot of companies would just get on board with yeah. because it just makes everyone else so much happier it just increases the productivity across the board but they have this such old way of thinking and I just I just don't fucking get it that's one of the things we implemented at that school I was telling you about rule breaking at the head office we brought in jeans anytime you don't have to wear uh, your business casual. Yeah, stuff. business casual makes no fucking sense to me. Even at our our business now, I, I wear a branded hoodie. Yeah. It's got my logo on it, and it's a hoodie, and I wear that every day. And it, I'm just comfortable, you know. It makes you fucking real. Absolutely, it's a huge part of it. Yeah. I just don't understand. Rule breaking is really important, though. At least, at least, well, what do I know? I fucking run a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, you know what, man? Let's break some rules with the podcast. <laughs> All right. So now, do you, do you want to give uh, any information about what you're doing now? Because we kind of talked about it a little bit. It's up to you, though. You don't have to. You don't have to pour no, it on. I will. You know what's interesting about this? I wrote. I was at. Um, 
So I sit on the board of directors for the Port Credit BIA, which is Business Improvement Association in our community. Uh, somehow I got roped into that. And I believe in what the BIA does. And it's uh, it's there to uh, bring people and increase business uh, for all the local business owners and stuff. Because that area of Mississauga is all about small businesses. Yes. Give an idea for anyone that's not from this from the greater Toronto area, what Port Credit is all about and what the demographics are like in this particular part of town. All right. So Port Credit is a very historic area. It was the last it's a it's along Lake Ontario on the south edge of Mississauga, which is just west just west of Toronto by a few kilometers actually, or a couple a few miles. It's very not far at, from Toronto at all, uh, and it's uh, very historic. It was the last um, municipality piece of Mississauga to join the city of Mississauga. I believe that was in the 1970s, and uh, it's it's. It's got a huge marina. It used to be a big uh, fur trade post back in the early settler days. And right now it is really gentrifying. It's uh, got a lot of money there. There's lots of artists, musicians, um, sports personalities that live all around there. And uh, it's very affluent, actually. There's, yes. It's a very affluent area. And there are buildings and condos being built right now where there's all right now a lot of two-story or in the past were two-story kind of buildings. They're being overtaken by larger condos, larger business coming in. I would have thought that that whole area would have been kind of like a historic area would have been, where the buildings would have been preserved a little bit. They're fighting to, to really protect that. There are some buildings that have already been designated as historic that won't be touched. Right. Uh, and they're really trying to fight that. And they should. There's a lot of charm there. Uh, at the same time, they do need to modernize. There's no, what I've learned being there is there's no real great way to get there by public transit. Uh, there are they are building a rapid transit system which will be in place by 2020. So uh, got to hang on there for a couple more years before we start seeing the effects of that. But it's a, a vibrant place. It brings a lot of tourists there. From uh, May to September, it's super busy down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does get a little quieter now in the winter because it's more of a tourist destination. But it's a great spot. I love it. Right on. Uh, I wasn't even aware of it until my business partner made me aware of it. Oh yeah. Because I never went to Mississauga. If you're from Toronto, what do you go to Mississauga That's true. for? Yeah, I, I I only know the area because I actually know the. Uh, uh, the fitness studio that's like maybe two or three doors down from you and um, yeah me and the that owner we've been friends a, a long time and she's actually lived in that neighborhood for a long time and she actually got me a job as a personal trainer at the fitness institute I don't even know what's the, if it's the fitness institute anymore down on South Service Road anyway yeah. very affluent neighborhood yeah. like for example you know you know Buckley's cough syrup yes yeah I, I personal trained that guy no way yeah. by the way everyone used to be like Call him Dr. Buckley. Call him Dr. Buckley. Don't use his first name. I'm like, why, man? This guy, he's always Dr. Buckley. Maybe when he's at the gym, he just wants to be what his first name is. I got in so much shit for calling his first name, but he didn't give a fuck. Another thing, break the fucking rules. Who break the fuck the cares? The guy That's loved it. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I accidentally dropped my gum on his chest when I was stretching his hamstrings. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. But anyway. That's bonding. <laughs> Sorry, let me get that. <laughs> uh, so poor credit. I keep interrupting you. So no, poor credit. Cool. So now that's where you guys are. And you were going to talk to us a little bit about what you got going on as deep or as uh, shallow as you want to go on that. Oh, no. you're not gonna, I'm, I'm prepared here. This is the only thing that I have actually prepared. And I didn't know I was going to say it here. But yesterday at the... Uh, annual general meeting for the poor credit BIA. And there were fireworks there. It was a lot of fun. Um, I had, I wasn't sure if they're going to do an introduction to us. So I wrote this like really well thought out introduction about our business and I never got a chance to say it. By the so. way, it's on his phone. It's on my that, phone. That's how well thought out it, it is. is. Yeah, I, I actually wordsmithed <laughs> for a while yesterday. So I'm going to try and deliver it well here. No guarantees. All right. Modern Theory Institute delivers skills gap training to individuals and corporations through modern hands-on learning courses such as project management and digital marketing. 
We also offer over 60 globally recognized online courses in industry-specific certifications. This is done through our partnerships with Microsoft, Autodesk, Adobe, Intuit QuickBooks, and others. Within the past year, MTI has had corporate training grants approved, allowing businesses to invest government-allocated funds on skills gap training to increase the return on investment. As a result, Modern Theory Institute is now a recognized vendor with Digital Main Street and the provincial and federal governments. We are an education hub for amateurs, artists, professionals, and lifelong learners, and we love having our headquarters in Port Credit. Thanks, man. That's my spiel. <laughs> That's well thought out. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to deliver it yesterday, though, so I, I was a bit disappointed. I told my business partner, he's like, did you get to say your spiel? I said, no. He just laughed his ass. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. How much time did you spend on that? <laughs> well, you got it out now. I don't Thanks, know. Who's, I don't know who's listening. Well, fuck it. Everyone's listening. Everyone's so listening, right? You got, you got more than the poor credit crowd listening Thanks to you on plug. that one. <laughs> right on, right on, man. So, okay, I want to know now, what is it like running this place? Because, again, you know, with all the experience that you had, and jumping off the cliff to saying, let's go for it, then having to close the doors because of injury. And now you're, you're you know, you're, yeah. you're out of the red, you know, tell, give us, give us what the daily grind is like. Give us the idea of what plays inside your head. Give us that entrepreneurial mindset. I'm going to be frank. We didn't really know what the hell we had when we started this business. We had some ideas to what we wanted to do and we weren't sure exactly how it was going to play out. Uh, we worked really hard and we got leads from some places we least expected and places where we thought we were going to do really well, we didn't. There was uh, never a sense of panic, but certainly always looking at, okay, what do we do now? Do we have to pivot here? Do we have to pivot there? Or where do we market? How do we do advertise? What courses are hot? Which ones are not? Um, what businesses are interested in us and which ones are not? Because we do do corporate training and we reach out to them. Uh, a day in the life of the grind I've realized is I've got to get up early. I've got to get up and get my mind going and start thinking about my day. I, I try to plan out my next day uh, well in advance. So I know, like, my, I'm always, you know, I, I really embrace uh, digital or modern technology. So everything that I need in my business is on my phone. Uh, my calendar, which is synced with my family calendar, uh, everything is there so I know what's going on. I get up early in the morning at 6.30 every, well, to me that's early, uh, being a bit of a night hawk my whole life. I get up at 6.30 and then I run my emails and make sure that I'm on top of anything that might have come in overnight. Um, I get prepared for any emails I have to send that morning, any phone calls or follow-ups I have to do with people. Uh, then I get in the office, the doors are open at 10. Um, and then I've got my administrator there and we usually have people coming through, whether it's they're taking a certification exam or, um, they're coming in to have a meeting about with a business to see if we can deliver training for them. We run doors open at our location from 10 to four Monday to Friday. And then we're open on Saturdays from 12 till three. Cause we have a digital marketing class that runs and then we book into the evenings and around the rest of the, the weekend for anyone that needs to come in to take one of their certification exams in any of the partner uh, programs that we're with because uh, we're an authorized testing center for that. So I do a lot of that. And then we need to find time for, okay, well, who's going to do the accounting, the bookkeeping? Um, who's going to do all the follow-ups? Because during the day, if you're busy with students and, and whatnot, that stuff can get lost between the cracks. So we went and we made sure we got a system to help us. We've really tried to use softwares to help um, minimize the man hours that we have to put into managing things. So QuickBooks, for example, right. that's what we use. And I had no idea how powerful that program was, but as we're using it longer, the more powerful I realize it is. It can be your lead database. It can be, it does all your invoices, sends them on in advance. It's fantastic. All your clients are housed there. Uh, and and it, these reports just spit out at the end of every month or week. I want to see, okay, how did we do? Where's our revenue at? And I keep an eye on all of this. So I have a routine. Mondays are my uh, weekly report day. Tuesday, I go through all my admissions to make sure that I haven't missed 
missed anything from the previous week. Uh, then Wednesday's marketing brainstorming morning. Um, and then QuickBooks is Fridays and Thursday is new business day. Nice. And I make sure that every day from nine to 10, I do that. And then I keep a to-do list, which I'm religious about. I, I, ch- I check it, double check it three, four times a day. I'm always adding things to it. And uh, at the end of each week, I go back and I go through everything that was done and anything that was not completed gets carried to the top of the next to-do list for the next week. So I try to be really disciplined. These are uh, behaviors that were drilled into me over the years from running a school, and uh, and they've really served me well here because we've been able to move forward and get approved for grants and some of the longer-term plays that wouldn't happen when you get denied three times and other people might give up. No, we kept learning from each experience and then applying what we learned to make sure that down the road we had the attitude of, no, we are going to succeed. We're going to do this. We're not giving up. And that's how we got approved and that's how we got corporate clients and that's how we're getting uh, more classes out of the gate and adding more programs and making partnerships. And, you know, that's what we're doing and getting on boards of directors. It's just driving, 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 not giving up. So it, it can, I'm telling you, there's many nights where our, I mean, I'm, I get up at 6.30 and I don't go to bed until like 1, 2 in the morning. I don't do that all the time. But once you hit the flow, you know, if you're really rocking it and you're thinking of an advertising um, promotion or you're working on, like, you're going to have to edit this podcast. You know, we're working on videos, whatever mm-hmm. it is, testimonials. Uh, you, that stuff's got to be done. And if you don't do it, no one's going to do it exactly. for you. Exactly. So that to me, is that's the grind is, is knowing that this stuff has to get done. And if we take our eye off the ball, things will drop and we're going to lose opportunity. For sure. So you don't have an off switch, do you? Or, or, or do you? Or do you schedule an off switch? Do you schedule off time? Like for me, I don't have an off switch. I should do it. I can't because like this is this. I've poured my heart and soul into this. And so by not having an off switch, I'm just, I'm, I'm always satisfied. You ever see pumping iron? Of course. You know when Arnold's talking about, you know, I go to the gym and I get my pump. It's like I'm coming. So I go to the gym and it's like I'm coming all the time. That's what I feel like when I'm here. So I don't have an off switch. It's like I, I never stop thinking about work. I've never stopped thinking about my business. I never stopped thinking about how can I make this motherfucking thing mm-hmm. better? Mm-hmm. It never goes away. Like I, so, uh, but anyway, do I'm you have, same. Do I, you, I'm, I'm exactly the same. As so you don't have an off switch. No, I'm not. There's no off switch. If anything, what I've learned is, and I learned this a long time ago with myself on how to manage me. Yeah. If I start getting, sometimes I'll get really worked up and, uh, I believe that I can get lost in the minutia of at all getting, just too into it all. Yep. And I need to take just a step back. And I've learned that that helps because it gives you some perspective when I'm just too involved in all the details to take a step back and look at it from a higher level. And the way I do that is by turning my high energy level to something else, almost like changing a channel. Okay, I, I'm I'm burnt out at work here a little bit, but I still want to keep doing Then I turn to writing, mm-hmm. which is therapeutic or pick up a guitar or whatever it is. And I've got other ways to kind of tune that out uh, talk to my wife, you know, play with the kids, yeah. all that kind of stuff will help to balance. And that's one thing that's really helped is making sure that, you know, I had my last boss had four wives. Yeah. He was 60 in his mid sixties. His first one merit lasted 13 years. That was the longest. Yeah. And after that they were shorter, but still four wives because he was driven, you know, like he was the CEO of Volvo North America. Yeah, yeah. I won't mention any names here, but you know, he was a high ranking dude to have a lot of big positions and the way he was driving me and I learned a ton, but the way he was driving me, I was heading toward the same fate. And that was another reason I opened the business was to make sure that, okay, I can work hard, but I can do it on my own terms. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to sacrifice my family. So what I've done is I literally 
before I create my work calendar, I create the family calendar. Everything that I have to be there for, for any family events, that goes first. Then I know where I'm dropping off, picking up kids where I can. I mm -hmm. squeeze that in as much as I can. In fact, I'm the person that drops them off mostly to school. So I always get that time with them, even if I have to work later. And uh, that's important to me. So having that balance has helped a lot. But yeah, even at that, the, the business, I'm so passionate about it. And we're playing for keeps here, right? Like we have mouths to feed. We have mortgages. We got, this has to be successful for us. So yeah, it is always, I am thinking about it a ton, but it's fun. I love it because it's ours, you know? Uh, we're growing this and it's very much like a baby, right? We started it from some crazy thought and then we put it on paper and now, you know, I'm sitting here in your beautiful studio and like, <laughs> you know, I see what you've done and it's very motivating to me because you also are one of our inspirations. You started yours before we ever did ours and we looked at, you know, if Mark can do it, you know, <laughs> if like, that dopey guy can <laughs> can make something happen. Yeah, well, you took the words out of our mouth. <laughs> but if you could do it, then we thought, well, hey, man, like, we know that you were working hard, but we thought, okay, let's give it a shot. Two of us maybe can equal what Mark's been able to do. And uh, and we're still working on it to get there, but, yeah, it, it's just amazing, right? Like, do you ever wish the motherfuckers you used to work for, or I shouldn't say it like that, but it's true, the motherfuckers you used to work for... The motherfuckers? The, yeah. The, uh, the ones that don't fully didn't fully get you do you kind of wish like they they can understand you now and it's like you know what man if you just got off my back or if you just supported me on these things all of this shit that i've done for myself and it's been fucking successful at it if you had just broken the rules with me or given me that leeway this could have been yours because i would have been happier and i might have stayed does that ever cross cross your mind? I don't know if it's crossed mine. I make it sound like it has, but you know, there are there are a couple of places where I had a lot of fun, and um, you know, some of them where I was very much appreciated. When I left, it was a sad time. I think of CDI, and when I left, and the staff was really crying and and whatnot. And that was a staff that was very unique, though. Mm -hmm. It was like what I have now. I had started uh, CDI College was. Uh, uh, one of the colleges I worked for, and I started their flagship school at Young and Shepherd, which is a major intersection in North Toronto, um, from scratch. Oh, we had no furniture. We had floors and ceiling. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I left, we had uh, 11 teachers on staff. We were running you know, a whole bunch of courses. We had a student body. It, it was fantastic. And um, and then I got that opportunity to leave and, and go to the executive national level, which I, I couldn't say no to. It was just not only a leap in salary, a large leap, but it was a large leap in experience that I was going to gather. Yeah. I went from running one school to looking after a whole bunch across a different uh, through the country. So when I left that school, though, I had hired every single person there, and we broke we we built that together. You know, there was such a camaraderie, mm -hmm. and that was something that I'm trying to emulate here now. That that type of family feel at the place because that was great um, but there are other places i had left where i felt like maybe like you said they didn't quite get me yeah uh, maybe i didn't march to the beat of their drum and i can think of uh we had this one big project we had to do was an accreditation and i knew that they didn't like the way i was approaching my school but i had a, i had experience previously with getting approved accreditations and as far as i knew no one else at this place had that right and i thought you know what before they judge me on what i am and i'm not doing I've been through this before twice. Yeah. So I'm going to do the way I do it. I know what these guys are going to be looking for. And we ended up, yes, we passed the accreditation. Um, and I thought, you know, later the owner came to me and said, you know, he said, I didn't want to say I doubted you, but I wasn't sure about some of the moves you made, but I let you go. I wish he had done that more with me. Right. Because I felt like he was trying to um, hold on too tight and was afraid of some of the things I may or may not do because I wasn't your traditional director. But 
I look back on it and I thought, you know, why well, I, I certainly have made mistakes. I've made bad judgment calls. I've done it all. And man, I've lost sleep over nights of, you know, no one died or anything, but just, I, I know I could have done better things sometimes looking back. Um, and, and, but we all have those moments, right? And you have to learn from those and failure is the best teacher sometimes. So I look back at some of those people that we, uh, that I worked for. And I think things could have been different if, uh, if maybe they got me more and, you know, I, I wouldn't say if I bent more to their will because I already was bending more than I wanted to. Right. Are you a hard guy to get? Uh, I, I think I can be, I think I definitely can be. What makes you hard to get? Um, I think outwardly and, and initially like, and, and you know, so many people have told me this, I'm really easy to make a first impression with and get along with. Um, but there's a lot more going on that I think some people don't understand about my motivations, you know, that, that outwardly I look like such a professional. I think a lot of the time is kind of the way I've come across, right. but there's this artist inside first and foremost mm-hmm. that people don't seem to understand. Um, <laughs> I'm and, laughing. We, yeah. we have the reverse problem. <laughs> my problem is people look at me and they're like, who's this fucking idiot, right? I kind of like that. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that low expectation. And then when you realize I fucking know what I'm talking about, you're, you're kind of taken back a little bit, but then that kind of bothers me a little bit too, because I'm not, (laughs) I'm not the kind of guy that ever judges that, you know, like I, this is one of the reasons why I love watching Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan's podcast, because you know what? Any you see Joe Rogan walking down the street, you're not like that's the most intelligent dude no, you've yeah. ever seen in your life a, because he looks exactly yeah. he 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 doesn't fit that mold of what you would think yeah. of which I don't think really exists anymore. But in which way, you know, I, I, I we have that opposite thing where someone looks at me, they're like, "Who's this mo- unprofessional motherfucker? Don't trust him with anything because it'll go to shit." And it's the complete reverse, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I uh, you, you mentioned Joe Rogan. I think another guy that falls in that is a guy that I look up to is Henry Rollins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a big, huge fan oh, of him. Yes. I have been since I was like a teenager, right? Black Flag and all that stuff. Yeah. But I'm a big poetry guy too, and his spoken word. And if you ever watch him, um, he's so articulate, thoughtful, changes his views over time as he gets information or gets older. And For sure. I love that. You know, like uh, he's not stuck in his ways though. Very in- just intelligent person, yeah. but same time, if people didn't know any better, they might just see this like you know head banging freaking uh, whatever they think he might be, heavy metalhead or something like that. But it's so fucked such up. Intelligent guy. I, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when all of that just slowly fizzles off. Mm-hmm. Like evolution happens a little quicker. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? And the, that mindset is gone. Totally. And, I'm, and I'm waiting for it because you know what. Everyone under the fucking sun is tattooed right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I can't wait for the day that every single doctor that I see is going to be covered in a sleeve. And then yeah. it's like, okay, this this old school thought is gone yeah. because I can't subscribe to that. But anyway, I completely interrupted you when you were telling me how you got that professional look on the outside, oh. but then you're the artist on the inside. Yeah, I think that makes things hard to get, you know, and... um I, I, and the other thing is that I can be very, especially when you're first getting to know me, I can be very quiet and maybe come across as seemingly accepting. And then when suddenly, um, things turn and I start to kind of open up my opinions and they're not exactly what you thought they were, uh, that seems to rub some people the wrong way. Um, and that, I think that then they walk away kind of, uh, perplexed, like, oh, I thought Jay was totally, or I thought Jay would be mm-hmm. totally on board with X, Y, or Z only to have me be the opposite. Right. Um, and I think I, I'm not trying to be difficult at all. And for the most part, I do get along well with people, but I find that the higher level management levels, there is a lot of that old school thinking and this like, uh, old boys club way of thinking, uh, that 
you know, I'm a little more alternative than that, a little more progressive, a little more modern, like trying to evolve and think differently. And I think sometimes that just rubs people the wrong way. Does it rub your partner the wrong way ever? Uh, yeah, well, definitely. We get into it for sure. And I think, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. I'm a huge sports fan. Um, not, I've, pretty much any sport I can appreciate. Uh, and the reason is because I believe in the- Even rhythmic gymnastics? Yeah, even that. Just ask because, Just Yeah, ask for him. sure. I appreciate the, the effort in the form. <laughs> but it's the the that competition, the win, the loss, the put it, pushing yourself as far as you can. Uh, and to me, that that's huge. And to win, right? I'm like, I want to drive to be the best. And Patrick Waugh, who was a goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, and Colorado Avalanche said, You're, you can't win Stanley Cups without arguments in the dressing room. And I, I really feel that way. Anywhere I've been, that's another reason I think people sometimes don't get me is we're in there and suddenly a big decision has to be made where I've been quiet up till quite a ways. And now that we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, now I voice my opinion and people are like, well, where's this coming from? And I'll be like, well, I just didn't really feel like, you know, some people like to hear themselves just speak. But I, when it's tangible, I want to jump in and then say, okay, well, what this is what I feel we should do. And I disagree with you on what you're saying. And sometimes that was the CEO or whoever it was. And you got to stand your ground and make your position felt. So when it comes to, where was I with? Your, part, your partner. <laughs> My partner. Um, he, um, he and I definitely do not see things the same way. And I don't know, I'm going to mention something on here. I don't know if anyone's familiar with, uh, there's psychological stuff. I'm sure we've had profiles done, but there's something called the DISC, D-I-S-C. Um, and... Uh, Basically, I'll just give a quick synopsis. D is for dominance. I is for influence. C is for steadiness and uh, kind of sensitivity. Most people are that are sensitive. And C is conscientiousness. So I'm a DC, which is kind of more detail-oriented in driving. And my partner is more um, an SI, where he's more sensitive. Uh, and uh, our, we balance each other out well because when it comes down to it and I ask him for a decision and he'll give me a hundred different reasons why both cases A, B, or C could be the reason and mm -hmm. he can't make a decision for his life, I will say, we're doing C and that's it. Let's move. Because if we just stay dwelling here, we're not going to move forward. So I'm definitely the driver in that relationship, making sure that we're continuously moving forward. Um, and, and sometimes we all have a little bit of that in each of us. Sometimes the role does flip mm -hmm. and I find myself that I'm the one on the other side. And it's nice that we just have that balance between us. And I think that's another thing. I've seen people go into business on their own. And I, actually, this was a question I, I don't know if I want to bring up now for you and your podcast here. But yeah, sure. uh, I, I got the feeling like when you went out and you were doing this, as you really went out on your own, like um, I wondered, man, I wonder how that feels because you don't have someone to always bounce stuff off of, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, you're very much, or maybe you do, but you're very much, you're the decision maker. And there's good and bad to that, I think, too. And I, I wonder how you feel, how you felt about it. But for me, I was apprehensive at first. Uh, my business partner kind of pushed his way into doing business with me. I was just going to go on my own. Right. And he really wanted to work with me. And I said, all right, we'll do this then. And it was hard at first. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was hard. We were definitely going through a, a growing period. I'd say it took six months to a year. before, we, And we had worked together for years. But at this intimate, hard level Big decisions had to be made fast all the time. Uh, what systems we're going to use and what's the logo going to be and what sign and who we're going to hire. And, oh, man, it, it was, you know, where do we spend our limited funds? Uh, there was a lot of banging of heads for sure. Uh, but in the end, we could always walk away, have a beer, and then come back to the table the next day and know that it was for the best. And then we would just move forward from there. But how about you? Like, I'm a, I've done the disc. I'm a DI. 
Interesting. So that's dominant and influential. Yeah. Which means I don't really sit back and deliberate a lot on things. <laughs> um, I kind of think of it and I go with it. And then when I go with it, I go fucking hard. And so that can lead me down the road of I've gone hard and it doesn't work. And it's a big fucking flop. And that's a lot of time, energy, and money spent. Thank God I haven't hit many of those. Thank God most of the times I I swing the bat, you know, it's either going over the fence or it comes fucking close to the fence. You know, maybe it's a, maybe, you know, it's a one bounce and it's over the wall and I'm, I'm standing on second base, (laughs) which I'm, I'm good with. Um, my wife is awesome at, uh, you know, she helps, she helps out an incredible amount, you know, and I'm going to put her, you know, right next to me on the, on the partner scale on yeah. this whole thing. And she keeps me in check a lot of the times, which is, which is great, which is something I definitely need because like I said, I, I, I have an idea and I run with it because I think it's the greatest idea in the world. And I just, I totally go full, full on into it. But this is, this is the big kicker because it's worked out for me so well. Whenever I get opposition to an idea that I have coming, I will fight like a motherfucker to have my idea come out because I'm just going to go back on the idea like, this is what I do, this is how it's worked, and it's and it's been working, and this is the way I'm going to go at it again. And so, I, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I think that's our high D because I have that very same quality. I yeah. get that feedback all the time that I don't listen to other people. Yeah. And I'll tell them, I did listen to you. I don't agree with your decision. Oh, what yeah. you're telling me, and that's there's a difference. Yes, I for heard sure. you, and I I note it, but we're doing this anyway. That's right. I I, I <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I I heard it and I dismissed it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did take it in. Just because I'm not going with what you say doesn't mean I didn't take it in. Yeah. Oh, I took it in. I dismissed it. As a matter of fact, I probably I used to say this all the time. This is long before I got into this field, but I used to say it all the time. Whatever you're going to say, I thought about it already and I already threw it out the window because I know it's not going to work. So don't worry about it. But anyway, that's just me being kind of a dick. (laughs) When is the last time you and your partner butted heads and what was it about? If it's, hey, if if you don't mind your partner hearing this, because I'm kind of curious. Oh, no, he'll be fine. Um, We'll we'll have to show it after if he doesn't like it. Oh, boy. Um, Boy, that's a good one. This this happens fairly regularly. Um, Oh. I would say, okay, I, I would say we have a lot of discussion about marketing spend. So that's a real example that he will agree with. I, from the beginning, have said we need to spend more on marketing. I'm a big believer in you'll get back what you put out if you do it wisely. Yes. But you also need to put out to get data back to find out what works and doesn't. Yes. So whether it's A-B testing, whatever, you know, I've been in marketing for a long time. Um, and, and so has he. This is the problem. We both feel like we know what's best. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell him we need to spend more. He'll say, no, if we do that, it's not going to work. I'll say, well, you don't know that for sure. He'll say, yes, I do. And then we get into this battle over marketing. So, I mean, I've never gone around his back to go doing some crazy campaigns or anything like that. That's not what we do. But we'll hash it out. And we keep coming back to the same things. You know, I'll say we need more leads. We need more people to know about our business out there to come to us. There's just simple math behind the amount of people that kick tires or, you know, are are fishing you to find out what you're doing or whatever else might be going on. Um, And those people that are really genuinely interested in coming there. So you have to really get the, the word out. And I think that sometimes he's too passive with the spend, afraid of if we spend the money, we're not going to see the return on investment. Right. Whereas I feel the opposite. If we don't put the money out, we're never going to see a return on investment because we're not putting enough money out to generate the amount of business that we need. Right. And there needs to be a balance there. But that is something that 
I would say is a recurring argument and one we just recently got into again, because that is something that uh, we both feel very passionately about. Ultimately, do we market? Yes. Uh, do we continue to improve on it? Yes. But do we have different views? Definitely. Most definitely. Well, because it's a catch-22 on that, right? So, you know, how do you know what, what marketing is going to work for you? Well, you got to try stuff out. I mean, you can research stuff all you want, but at the end of the day, if when your business is so unique in what it does, it's not to say that, you know, you can replicate what someone else is doing. Now, that being said, once you find that formula that works and you want success in this, your marketing budget should be infinite. Yes. As soon as you got oh, that yeah. formula down, then this is infinite, buddy. Then we are yeah. just, uh, you know, because it works, then that's all there is to it. We're done. But I, I kind of see where you guys butt heads. And who wins on those battles, by the way? You're oh. a bigger guy than he is. <laughs> How tall are you? Uh, six one. What are you weighing right now? Uh, 235. And he used to uh, he used to uh, bounce a crocodile rock, so I wouldn't <laughs> want to fight with you because they used to have, like, you know, firefighter nights and shit That's like right. that. So yeah. I can imagine stuff that Wednesdays. happens. So who who wins who wins uh, on uh, the marketing battle? Well, I don't use my brawn, even though oh, uh, I'm sure. I, and I've also learned that uh, the bigger guy doesn't always win, and uh, and that's you know I, I know that to the average person I look like a big guy, but I played football where I was the smallest guy on the offensive <laughs> line by 35 pounds, and I got my ass kicked honestly. Yeah. So I know what it's like to get physically beat up by a much bigger guy. Um, so I, I don't like to do that to people, but we. Um, you know, I would say we come to a mutual understanding. Really, we do. Yeah. Uh, neither one of us really ends up winning. We both walk away with, okay, we can live with this. Or we're both kind of feeling like, you know what? Based on the data we have, let's do this. And that, that was one of the most difficult things to start in the business, too. We had no fucking data, man. And I'm a data date. I drive my decisions with data. Yeah. You know, I don't go by gut feel. I need to see, like you were talking, um, I remember on the podcast about getting data, about uh, making decisions. And I fully agree with you, Mark. Like this is the most important thing about your business. You can't just go on gut feel. Yeah. And I see that's what got people that I used to consult uh, on their schools to turn around. That's what got them in trouble. They did what they thought a student wanted, what they thought was going to be good, but they didn't look at the data in front of them to make the decisions. Yeah. We had none. So now that we've been at it for a year and a half, we now are starting to get year-over-year -year data, right. which is invaluable. Now we can look at, oh, look at that. In the last year, we had this many Microsoft students, this many Autodesk students, this many digital marketing people that are interested. Month over month, this is getting more interest. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff we needed to make decisions. And we didn't have it. And that was really hard. But with those decisions, we're getting into, I wouldn't say less marketing fights. Maybe it's provoking more because we have now data to support both our arguments, right. depending on how you look at it. But... Um, yeah, and that's going to be a continuous battle between us because that's me and my adventurous, risk-taking, driving, balls to the wall, let's fucking do it. And his, no, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I want to, not necessarily afraid, that might be the wrong term, but cautious. Cautious. Yeah, thank you. That's the right word. Yeah. More cautious approach. He's not a rule breaker, is he? I, I would say he's not. Or is he? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess I got to be careful with that. I think he can break rules, definitely. I've seen him do it. Um, yeah. But the question is, when he does, does he feel good? Like how when I break a rule, <laughs> yeah, I'm I more feel like fucking you. good. <laughs> yeah, I feel good. Especially when it works yeah. out. I think he sweats it when he does. I think yeah. he probably knows it's the right thing to do, but the fact that he broke a rule yeah. is something that in his moral conscience uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> is eating at him. So what's the what's the plan from here on in, man? Like where, where, do, you, where do you see... Where do you see yourself in five oh, years? Oh, there we go. There we go. So, you know, the irony of this is we did make a three to five year plan. So we wanted to have 
three locations in three to five years. Uh, we're working on expanding to London and Ottawa, Ontario right now. What We've, made you come up with uh, th- those places uh, if, if you want to give that away? Yeah, no problem. By the way, and I'm a fan of giving away everything that you ever know. Why? It forces you to come up with new shit. Uh, yeah. It keeps you creative when you give everything Spoken away. Spoken like a true artist. Steal yeah. from everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, our, um, our business partner, my business partner, he does live in London. Okay. So that was a natural fit because he can do the work there. Mm-hmm. And then Ottawa, because we, it's a gateway into Quebec. Right and on. our partners have told us that they can't get the sales that they can generate in Ontario and Quebec. And Quebec has similar-ish population. You know, it's the second most populous province. And they're missing out on big bucks there. So they want someone to figure out the market. So we, by going to Ottawa, Hull is across the river, Gatineau, uh, which is in Quebec. So it's, it's we're literally talking like right over across a river. You, we can start to pull them in to understand a little more about what they're looking for. And we want to do that. We're playing a long-term play on that. If we can get into Quebec, we figure that's big money. Um, and it also, if they need the service and no one's providing it, then let's go through there and provide that service for the people. Right on. So we can win. I, I believe in win-win-win scenarios, not just win-win, but in our, in our world, it's you know ourselves, our partners, and our students. And we mm-hmm. want everybody to win. And that's what we try to line up so that people want to work with us. They know we're not going to fuck them over because you know, we're in it. To, there's enough for everyone. And I've always believed that. There's enough for everyone. I've seen that in a movie before. And it, I, I see people sometimes, you know, even um, small business owners, like fighting over crumbs. And I'm thinking the whole fucking pie is there and you're fighting over the crumbs. Jesus Christ. Like, let's think bigger here, people. You know, it frustrates the shit out of me, to be honest, Mark, when I've seen such... God, the whole thing is there and they're so blinded by I it. I totally get shit. it. Yeah, the world is too big. There's enough for everybody share it around but I'm not gonna lie part of me wants to bury some people sometimes and that's my DI when my when my DI kicks in and I've got some competition that's happening and I know it's 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 minor it doesn't mean anything there's room for everybody but there's a little part of me that says I'm gonna fucking bury you yeah. and I <laughs> that, think that's, that's a big good. part of the mindset for me is I'm gonna fucking bury you yeah you have to have that yeah that's the whole winning attitude right I that believe whole, so yeah I agree I totally agree with you I man. believe so there yeah like I had a buddy in high school way back when when you know we used to play uh Adam Johnston, this one's for you. He doesn't remember this because I texted him maybe about two months ago, a win's a win. And he's like, text back, is this for me? I'm like, motherfucker, I've been saying this since high school because we were talking about this one time in OAC gym class with their gym teacher, Mr. Strone. You're a good man. <laughs> and we were talking about a win's a win's OAC. a win. What's uh, yeah. OAC? Yeah, yeah. Ontario Academic Credit. You know, formerly grade 13. But yeah, so a win's a win. And sometimes when I, I don't like it when I get that streak in me, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really about that competition. But sometimes when I see that there, or I take that back. When I see that competition there and that competition is poking at me. And I, I don't know why you were poking at me in the first place, but you're poking at me. That's when I'm like, fuck it. Let's, I'm, I want to bear you on this. I want to make this product. I want to make whatever I'm doing so outstanding that you are in my rear view mirror, but you're not even visible clearly in my rear view mirror. You're, you're in the dust cloud. But, you know, what do I know? You know it's funny. We, uh, when we opened our business in Port Credit in that community, everyone started talking. You know, a new business pops up. Uh, another business opened up shortly after us and, uh, we, we call ourselves, as I said in my spiel, uh, a hub, a networking hub. And this person stole off our website, our exact verbiage and put it on her flyers. <laughs> what did you guys do on that? I, 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 I was warned not to go in 
because I was heated, but, and I'm a big guy and she's not a big person. And I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go in there intimidating her. Right. I just want to go and see what she does when I walk in and say hello. Cause I knew her like, that's uh, an interesting thing. So anyway, I went in and I picked up her flyer and I said, Oh, this is really well written. Cause I wrote it. <laughs> and, uh, and she just kind of was bashful with it. And she's like, Oh yeah, those are our new flyers. Yeah. And, uh, Should have put in quotes, put my name under it. Oh, I, I was so tempted to say something else, but I just, I realized just my presence alone made her uncomfortable. And I thought, okay, I don't, I didn't come here to intimidate her. I wanted to talk to her about it, but the pick, the point apparently was, was dropped cause she, she has not recreated those flyers. Mm, good job. Yeah. And I didn't have to say really anything, but I mean, come on, you know, like, <laughs> like you said, though, give away your shit and everyone's going to start. No, that's mm, true. It's good. They're going to copy it. You know, yeah. I found it flattering. <laughs> flattering enough that I wanted to go in. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's that, yeah. And then I went to barrier. I'm like, if you're going to do that, Oh yeah. You know, and uh, it took me a few days to get over it, to be honest. Yeah. I totally hear you on that. So long-term game plan is, 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 uh, this is the, this is your life now or is, or is long-term game plan. Let's grow this. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. No, let's grow. Let's, out, let's yeah. grow this bad boy up as far as we can. And, uh, let's, let's, let's cash in on it. Let's sell this, let's sell this off and go on our next adventure partner. Yeah. So that, that's a great question, man. So the way I feel about it truly is if this goes gangbusters, yeah. I want to ride it out until the HR problems become too much. Right. My biggest annoyance is HR problems. Rightfully or wrongfully, people got to go do this, that, the other, whatever it is. But when people are trying to just take advantage of a company or or a boss or a situation, uh, I can't stand it. I don't like babysitting and I can't stand, I was going to say, fuck it, weak-minded people. I just can't stand them, man. Go take your shit somewhere else, but not around our organization or what we're trying to do. We want like-minded people that are driven, hardworking, and committed. That's who I want working with us. And that's who I want my partners to be. So I, I, when the HR problems become too much, then we'll walk away and sell it. Or if we get a kick-ass offer that we can't refuse, uh, then yeah, I, I know another training center, uh, another uh, adult school, kind of similar to what we do. They've been around longer, but they were recently picked up and um, by a large company. And so something like that walked into us and said, hey, you're, they realize we're up-and-coming competition and they want to buy us for the right price. I think my partner and I would be open to listening to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would sell in and go off and do something else. Then, uh, then you guys were going to open that bar. <laughs> That's right. Well, that would be <laughs> yeah, that was some people drunk home. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that, hey, it's a, always been a passion of mine. I love pool and I love bars. Yeah. So I always wanted to have uh, maybe a uh, couple pool tables in a bar. I hear that. Last uh, last thing, because it's getting late on this, and the beers make me want to take a fucking piss. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, what can you tell all those future people that are right where you were before they're in that comfort spot they're making the money that you know they wanted to make they're not fucking satisfied in where they are but it's going to take a lot of balls big fucking balls to say you know what i'm jumping and i'm going to pull the cord and i'm just going to cross my fingers and hope the parachute opens because i didn't really test this out before but i know i can't stay on this plane because this plane is going to go down eventually yeah what do you tell them what's your advice to that my advice is go start your business tomorrow get out there fucking do it and i'm going to come back to what a driving force for me happened a few years ago it was um down at a concert and it was a hip-hop concert it was the rock the bells tour and i i literally was fortunate enough to be there for one of my biggest i'm a huge rap fan and krs1 came out and he he did a couple part songs but he basically gave us a fucking sermon on get out there and create your fucking business today 
and follow your passion and get it out from under the fucking thumb of uh, oppression, your bosses, where the fuck it is. Go out there and make a positive change in the world and be positive and follow your passions. Start your business tomorrow. Follow it. Do it smart. Come up with a plan, a strategy, and don't give up. Right on. Just drive and follow it. That's what I would say. Right on, man. That's, I think that's a good place to say we, we, we covered it tonight. Brother. Right on. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for hanging out in the office. Pleasure. Thank thanks you for having me. Thanks for the beer. <laughs> anytime. Does Appreciate I get to come that. back again? Yeah, you can come back anytime you want. You want to come back in another couple hours? We can do that again. <laughs> right on, right on. You have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone, Jason Campbell. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>